Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Cutback Podcast, where we keep our heads on a swivel to bring you our living room commentary on the latest and greatest from the world of sports and the business that surrounds it. I'm Ian Burley. I'm Cullen Munns, and we're off and running. And Ian, uh, to quote an Atlanta legend and an American hero, frankly, uh, <laughs> T.I., uh, big shit is popping and little things are indeed stopping. Uh, we have some breaking news hot off the presses. Breaking news indeed. Shout out T.I. And, and one of many Atlanta legends that you got to interact with, I'm sure, as you were down there with the AAF. Um, one I of hope they were all Legends fans. <laughs> 50, one of 53 <laughs> Legends. But you're absolutely right. Huge, huge breaking news, huge announcement coming out of the Cutback podcast. Uh, you may have seen a little bit on social media. If, if you're, you're now listening to this on Thursday, uh, began popping off. Uh, today, Wednesday, on social media, where we have officially joined an up-and-coming uh, working in sports, sports business podcast network called Sports as a Job. Uh, so you can head over to sportsasajob.com, uh, check out all the things the squad is doing. Uh, sports as a Job is a podcast in its own right that was started about a year ago by our guy Colby. Uh, he interviews different people in the industry and kind of does a traditional informational interview, learns about what they do in their day-to-day and what their career paths have looked like. Uh, we are the fourth podcast to join the network. Uh, so along with, with Colby's... Many have called us the George Springer of podcasts. <laughs> I don't know that reference, but I'll take your word for it. He wears um, number four. Oh, fair enough. So um, along with Colby's Sports as a Job, uh, we also have Outnumbered with Kelly and Hollis, where they help women navigate their careers in sports, and The Rookie Contract with Kate and Dakota, uh, who they also interview people working in the sports industry. However, they focus on the rookies in the industry, so interns and those of us uh, like Colin and myself who are relatively early in their sports career. So exciting news for us. Um, excited to be a part of the Sports as a Job team. And like I said, you can head over to sportsasajob.com to check out all the podcasts. Uh, there's different articles and blog posts on the website as well. So really a kind of up and coming community uh, that's just trying to help people navigate this life that we've chosen working in sports. Uh, yeah, we chose it and it chose us. You can't escape it. Can't <laughs> yes. escape it. Some people would say we never actually had a choice because we were destined to do these things, but here we are. Here we are. I mean, destiny has a, is a cruel and fickle mistress. Uh, <laughs> I, but I feel like you know, I feel like since we are here and we this is our first episode as official members of the family, I feel like we should kind of rehash the whole work life balance of what our podcast is and kind of like what we. Give us our Craig Leone, what we, what, why we matter to the people. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so for new listeners, Colin and I, uh, back in uh, circa fall 2018, spring 2019, we're living together out in the beautiful Eugene, Oregon, uh, and used to sit around in our living room and have these long tangential conversations about sports and and sports business. And uh, when the old Rona came running, we decided to uh, throw the headsets on and get some microphones and, and hash it out and, and talk about it. And what we like to do here is is kind of ride that fine line of providing commentary around the things that are happening in sports business, which we like to call the work topics, uh, and also kind of just shoot the shit and talk about what we care about and what's going on just uh, on the field or on the diamond or on the court in terms of 
sports and the athletes who are playing them themselves. We call that the play topics. And for those of you who are familiar with working in sports, you know that people love to talk about having a work-life balance, but you also know that they're probably full of shit because working in sports comes with very minimal work-life balance. But that's kind of the beauty of it is uh, it can be work and your life all in one. And uh, those of those of us who who make it in the sports industry usually do so because uh, we love the sports that we're around and, and we love being able to play our part in the large wheel that is sports business. Yeah, a couple add ons just to that. Um, one, the green couch in our uh, cover photo, whatever you call that podcast photo, that is not like a design choice for the, <laughs> the actual cover photo, that green couch was real that was in our living room and the ladies loved it believe me <laughs> at the university of oregon um and the, the second part is you do i've worked in the sports industry since my junior year of high school summer between my junior and senior year of high school uh they will always feed you everyone i've worked at has fed the we try to have a work-life balance uh line uh just know it is a lie they are lying to your face uh and they they don't care um but also know like if you're getting into this industry you're not doing it for the money you're doing it for the passion and you're doing it because you love it and if you're doing it for another reason if you're doing it for any other reason you're not going to make it so quit now facts and uh when you were talking about feeding you know, you went a different way than I thought you were going to go. You talked about how, yeah, you may get fed some some more glorified stories of what working in the sports industry is like, and, and that's true. But one thing you will also be fed in most sports roles is food. Yes, yes. And when you do get those – okay, let's take a minute and talk about this because <laughs> my, my first ever job in sports was with the Houston Dynamo. Uh, I was – like I said, summer between my junior and senior year in high school. So this is circa goodness, uh, 2010. We're, we're going 10 years back. Uh, we The Dynamo would feed us on game days. Uh, and mind you, my role for the Dynamo, I was out in the parking lot. Uh, I was a marketing assistant my first season there. Uh, literally had to learn Spanish in about two, min- two minutes. Uh, it was Rosetta Stone sped very way up. Um, Rapido, as some would say muy rapido pelota goal uh but anyway uh there was one of the interns who wouldn't eat the meal because the the dynamo because they didn't like the food and so they would just starve or eat like a granola bar or a cliff bar and and i'm like man i'm trying to rub two nickels together to like (laughs) like i'm taking this free meal over burger king every day of the week let's go like this is (laughs) Listen, the food that you get working in sports is not going to be healthy. You know, you, you can't you can't uh, have your cake and eat it too. But you should have that cake because it's part of your compensation and it's part of the joy of working in sports. So take advantage. Beggars cannot be choosers. That is the that is the moral of this story. <laughs> that's the that's the byline of your autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> I want it on my gravestone. Really. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, So let's go ahead and just jump right into our work topics because here at the Cutback Podcast, we do realize that you got to put in some work first. So we like to start off with our work topics, which are things that are happening uh, kind of on the business side of sports. And we kind of try to parse through the headlines and give you a little bit more of an in-depth analysis of what's going on, all the different levers that are at play, um, so on and so on. 
So first, we're going to start with uh, the NBA just a few days ago released their schedule uh, for the 2020-2021 season. Uh, so Colin, a lot of things going on here. First, uh, let's just kind of lay the schedule out. The NBA draft, which has been delayed because of uh, the coronavirus and, and the season being delayed and just wrapping up uh, really within the past month or so. Uh, the NBA draft takes place a week from today on Wednesday, November 18th. Free agency negotiations are able to begin shortly after on the 20th. Uh, with the signing period beginning on November 22nd. Uh, Games themselves will begin on December 22nd, and teams will play a 72-game regular season schedule, so slightly shorter uh, than they would play in a normal NBA season pre-coronavirus. First thing I want to hit on here, there was a lot of contention uh, between players and the league uh, that I was seeing, especially kind of on social media, The players just got out of the bubble in Orlando, especially those teams like the Lakers and the Heat who were there for the uh, duration of of the season. And NBA is tossing around this idea of, you know, how many days off are we going to have before we start the season up again? Now we see that they're going to start on December 22nd, which isn't that long uh, from when the season ended. However, we do know why this is the case, because they need that Christmas Day game money. Santa is coming down the chimney, baby. And Adam Silver would not let LeBron James miss it. Like, absolutely not. Absolutely but, not. But, Ian, in all, but is there any other sport that even remotely, I don't care if it's on Sunday, there's no other sport that can hold a candle to NBA on Christmas. Literally nothing. Yeah, the NBA has done a really good job at turning Christmas into their day, much to the chagrin of many families across the country. Because guess what? When it's like noon, 1 p.m., it's Christmas, I'm probably already in food coma one out of three for the day. And I want to just put the NBA on and probably take a nap. Uh, Maybe surprising to some, but most of my family members don't appreciate that. But let's also talk about how how big of a branding move it had to, and marketing move it had to be by the NBA to do this. Cause I, this oh, wasn't man. always yeah. the, the, like NBA on Christmas. Wasn't always a thing. Like there may have been one game that, that they did at night, but it wasn't like this all day marathon where Cohen comes dead, wakes up on Christmas morning and has an, an eggnog at 9am and we're turning on Celtic 76ers at 9am. <laughs> like as we go, like, and I'm watching basketball all day like that. To turn it into that, a plus job NBA, and that's and you're absolutely right. That's why uh, Adam Silver was so staunch with with starting at the 22nd, I think. But I also think it's so nice and so refreshing and so beautiful and so just a gold star for our world that really needs it right now. Uh, that that we have a players association and a league that can reach an agreement without like unlike the NFL unlike major league baseball where it takes about 6 weeks and you know heads on stakes before we're ready to make come to any sort of an agreement at all on anything yeah, yeah i mean i think you saw a little bit of of somewhat quiet i would even say uh rumblings from players i mean like lebron james even came out and showed that he wasn't like super pumped about getting back and playing like two months after they shut just... up but shut up you just won a championship like what I, nobody's excited about it like 
Right. But I, I mean, we can't act like there was just a complete void of players, like voicing a little bit of disopinion, but ultimately, like you said, the sides kind of got together and even without much like media coverage, um, or things popping up on the timeline, all of a sudden the deal's done. Right. Uh, the, the salary cap is remaining stagnant. So it's, it's not increasing like in previous years, but it's not at least taking a, a dive based on what happened so far this year. Um, speaking on that note, that kind of led to this question that I had of, I wonder, does this set a potential precedent for specifically NFL players uh, to also call for a stagnant salary cap in 2021? Because we've already hear, heard the NFL saying uh, that they're projecting the salary cap to go down from like 215 or 220 million, whatever it's at right now, down to 175 for next year. And see, I think it's so hard to cross compare the NBA with any other with the NFL in this instance, because the NBA uses the BRI system to generate their salary cap. And so quick, quick crash course, BRI, basketball related income. That's how the salary cap is set each year. The owners and players, uh, based on their based on the amount of basketball related income that comes in, that's what sets the salary cap for the following year. So the reason it stayed, they got it to stay stagnant, which I think is a huge win for the players, and that's probably why they were so okay with uh, starting it at Christmas. I, I'm sure the conversation went something along the lines of, "Okay, we agree, we'll keep it at, keep it stagnant instead of playing 60 games. You're playing 72, and you're starting at Christmas or December 22nd." and the LeBron and the NBA PA went deal like, and that's how it went. And it was great. And it, that I wish the other sports would learn from that. However, um, the NBA did agree to keep it stagnant for one year, but they also put in a huge, 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 huge clause saying that if their revenues fall more than 20% from the year before the salary cap can, can match that. And there can be a 20% fall in the salary cap the following year. So, but no more than 20%. So they, they, they are, yes, they gave them one year to kind of figure it out, but it's not like they gave them, you know, this long leash of forever. You've got this, this wiggle room on, on how long we're going to take these exorbitant salaries. Whereas the NFL, they don't have that income based salary salary cap so it's kind of they're kind of fighting saying show me your show me how much money you really lost no we don't want to do that and we're kind of in that baseball boat more so than than the nba situation right two things that you said there that kind of piqued my interest i'm curious if you have more information on or if they are still kind of questions to be had one you talked about if the revenues do dip uh, you know, up to 20%, then they can adjust the salary cap in future years. With BRI being the system that they use to set the salary cap, has that always actually just been a potential that if basketball revenues were to fall off one year, which obviously they haven't done, basketball's kind of been steadily increasing in that department, but under the previous setup before this agreement, was that a potential anyways, where if there was a year where the, the revenues declined, we could have seen a decline in the salary cap, or is this brand new and just reflects the situation that we're in? So the players kind of take it on this whole on this one in that they have they put money in escrow 10 percent of your the player's salary salary goes into escrow and if there's any sort of dip up to 10 percent 
in BRI, the owners get that money back out of escrow. So the owners built a CYA clause into it. However, uh, you know, and that that escrow thing, they just instead of it being 10 percent, they like expanded it to 20 percent. So that's kind of the same. That's how they protect themselves. So, yes, that was happening in years past. It never really came up. So if their BRI didn't drop 10 percent, the, the players get their money back, you know, at the end of the year, you know, so the players get a check at the end of the year for that everything they gave away like or put in escrow i mean said give away but it's in escrow right right no that makes sense and then the second piece of that is when they are looking to compare i would assume upcoming 2021 revenues are they comparing that to this past season that we had or are they going to compare that to like the 2019 2020 season that was under quote-unquote normal circumstances well not even 2018 2019 it would have that's a that's a great question and that i don't know and i'm sure that's going to be the next fight is probably that's the next fight on the horizon here is trying to figure out where that equilibrium point is uh for years going forward versus years behind us because i and i think that's the interesting part is what does 2021 look like as far as fans a front office because realistically in the nba if there's no fans What's the point of a front office? Like outside of your, I mean, not when I say front office, I don't mean your personnel management side. I don't mean your team side. I'm talking ticket salesmen, like in that side, the the business side of the operation. Like, and, and I know that's a bleak, bleak outlook for us, but I mean, talk me out of it. Yeah, I think that sales, traditional ticket sales is going to be a tough uh, tough road because like you've mentioned we don't know what fans in the stands are going to look like if you objectively look across the country right now and what's happening from a case standpoint you see numbers rising you see that it's probably not out of the realm of possibility that either states uh, or leagues themselves will just kind of put a kibosh on fans because they're trying to mitigate risk uh, and they know the more people in their their building the more chance that somebody on the team gets it and then things have to get shut down so on and so forth right so whether whether they agree with or it or even not, risk like, from a fan getting it exactly I, but I, I think they're probably more worried about somebody on the team but you're absolutely right because if if there was a large contact contact tracing effort to a game at a stadium especially indoors um there would seemingly potentially be a case for like a, a civil lawsuit or something. I don't know. I mean, we remember at the beginning of this, I remember seeing people going to MLS games uh, or USL games. It was one of the the soccer leagues in the US and they're having fans are signing big liability waivers to walk into the stadium to basically say like, you know, whatever happens happens at this point and the team is not liable. Um, but that's what I signed every time I went into Rick's. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is a Ann Arbor reference for those of you out there who may not understand Rick's also East Lansing, but Ann Arbor is, is really what we're talking about here. Um, yeah, I, I think that ticket sales is going to be tough. We're, we're continually seeing organizations in the professional leagues, even to this day, cut ticket staffs severely, um, if not get rid of them completely. You look at the areas that will need to remain if they're able to adapt and innovate properly. Um, sponsorship and partnership sales and like management groups because the team needs that 
that sponsor revenue and you need to have people who can figure out how to give those brands uh, their largest ROI. I hope that this also increases the need for these kind of business analytics, business strategy groups. Um, but that's a hard sell because they're not like directly revenue generating groups because, you know, their ideas and their strategies ultimately have to be kind of carried out by other groups who can cash that revenue. And if you're not kind of thinking past the first step of how is this revenue being generated, you're looking at a strategy group and saying, well, they're not generating any, any revenue. So it's going to be interesting. My assumption would be that business front offices for professional teams in every league will continue to take hits for the foreseeable future. Unfortunately, it sucks. I mean, right. we've hey. both been, we've both caught all sides of this thing. So yes. we understand caught, that it sucks. Caught it, caught it multiple times. I, yeah, I got off the mat once and then just got kicked right back down. <laughs> Ian's, Ian's on his second 10 count right now. It's pretty <laughs> remarkable. <laughs> just uh, uh, We'll never tap, baby. We'll never tap. No, no tap out. No tap out here. Uh, no, but I, but and, and I but let's even go further. Like, yes, I agree with you. Corporate partnerships is probably the the loan and business strategy. If but I would tell you, there's a lot of small market teams who don't who are literally trying to figure out how they're going to make it. Um, and not even small market teams. I'm trying. I'm looking at my team, the Houston Rockets. I, I don't know how like the owners already lost it like we the gm's left the coaches left the, <laughs> he's trying to trade away james harden like it, it's nuts we're we're literally and, and he's already trimming out the front office i mean and not just the and he's doing both sides it's a dumpster fire but he's not the only one i'm just that one's close to home for me so it's the examples on the top of the head but there's small market teams too who may not be able to even afford that business strategy department altogether. And, and then promo or game in, in game entertainment, whatever the team calls it, that's gone. Guest experience gone. Like it, it's just, it's until we get able to have fans in the building. And I think it just really drives home a point, how much we are an entertainment industry. And when there is no people to entertain, uh, it, things go to hell in a handbasket. Absolutely. I, I think that's a perfect way to put it. The one group or kind of multiple multiple groups that we did miss that we would be hugely remiss for not uh, mentioning would be like social and digital and creative yeah. groups. Um, we say multiple groups, but as we know, especially in teams, that's usually one or two one people group. having to do all of that stuff. Um, so I think those will continue to uh, live on. I mean, it's been interesting. You see in the NFL, the NFL is already kind of using like third party people to capture a lot of content. I mean, I know somebody who uh, met through Oregon who he's a grad student at like Jacksonville state right now doing cre athletic creative work. Um, and he's like a contractor for the NFL to shoot like photos and uh, kind of short form, like little video montages for the NFL. And he goes to Jacksonville and he drives down to Miami, Tampa Bay, the whole nine yards. So you're already seeing even from a league level where in years past, that would maybe be a league employee. Now they're contracting people out in these markets to do that type of work for them. I think one piece of advice potentially would be if you're looking to get into a team now, or you are in a team now and you're wondering how can I protect myself from this a little bit to an extent that you can, because to some extent you can't, you can only control what you can control. 
but you're going to see people that can wear multiple hats and kind of help fill in and fill the gaps and all these different roles when something pops up that maybe somebody wasn't prepared for. Uh, the utility players are the ones who have the best chance to kind of continue to keep things going um, as the kind of job front and fans in the stands ultimately remains an uncertainty. We talked about corporate partners. Um, so I want to transition us into our next little work topic here, which talks about a partnership that happened uh, earlier this week with Peloton and Beyonce. Mm, Queen big B. partnership. Queen big, B. Big Queen B person. B- bring in the beehive to Peloton. Ooh. Ooh. Beyonce herself, H-Town legend. She is. She is. Um, interesting. I mean, the whole rise of Peloton during the pandemic has been almost insane. Um, Did you buy I, one? No, no. Have you seen the price <laughs> tag of those things? Uh, no, no, I can't say I have. I use the, I use the great outdoors cause it's free. <laughs> the Peloton bike, the model, they just discounted their original model because they came out with a new one. So the discounted model is like 1900 and the new one is like 2,500. And then they have two treadmill models that are like 25 and four grand <laughs> just for, I mean, and, and maybe that's normal for a piece of gym equipment like that. I have no idea. Um, but Peloton during the pandemic, so from like March ish to now has, uh, gained over a million subscribers to their like fitness subscription class model. Um, and they're currently at 3.6 million subscriptions worldwide. So when you look at that million, you know, that's like a 25%, 50% increase over the course of seven or eight months. Um, their sales, just their like pure sales revenue is up 172% and their stock price is up 220%. So this whole, this is a perfect instance of, of a company that was one kind of more, more built well for a pandemic because they are an at home fitness. Like they were that before the pandemic, but they've taken full advantage of understanding that this is an opportunity for us to really hit the ground running. Um, and, and they've kind of seen the rewards from that with Beyonce's partnership, uh, specifically they're really, uh, kind of letting Beyonce channel what's important to her and channel that through music, fitness, uh, and kind of the different things that Peloton can do. And her partnership really is looking to celebrate the homecoming season, which is an annual fall celebration at HBCUs across the country. HBCU stands for historically black colleges and universities. Uh, there's almost about like a hundred accredited across the country in the U S today. So she'll be creating uh, specific content and workouts that kind of integrate the homecoming culture and, and celebrate HBCUs and also is partnering with Peloton to gift digital memberships to 10 HBCUs for them to use in their intramural rec centers uh, so that their students can kind of use Peloton uh, digital classes uh, as part of their workout routine. So I think one Peloton just wanted to highlight a company that has exploded in the sports space throughout the pandemic. And I think kind of a great example of using this massive, massive uh, cultural icon like Beyonce and tailoring your partnership to fit not only what her wants and needs are, but connecting those to your um, consumers versus just graphic that you're looking to get into. Exactly. Versus just using the Beyonce name, you're actually doing something that's important to her and helping you reach consumers that are important to her and important to your growth as a company. Right. I I think it's a very authentic 
partnership in that it's actually beneficial to both parties, which is, which is the best kind of partnership. And so, um, I just think all in all, great job by Peloton. I didn't know that Peloton had had that big of an explosion, uh, over the pandemic or through the pandemic, I guess, uh, not that the pandemic's over. Uh, but I'm, I'm also interested, let me ask you, like, what does a company like Peloton look like on the other side of this thing? Yeah, I mean, I think they are positioned well to continue to succeed because I think as consumers, you have a lot of people who have now figured out a good enough workout routine for themselves in their homes. So they will continue to be Peloton subscribers and continue to work out at home and uh, not really like choose to strictly go to a uh brick and mortar gym and never use their peloton again Good use like, of brick and mortar <laughs> um i don't think they're gonna just like full out lose a lot of people and i think their secondary growth opportunity which uh, they've already begun to do like i even saw it at the uh gym in the office building in chicago where i work is i think this will allow peloton to also get met much more integrated within brick and mortar gym locations as they start to open back up and become more populated again at some point down the road. Uh, because if you can go into a gym and as part of your membership, they've got three Peloton bikes and three Peloton treadmills or whatever it is. And, and they've got the membership so you can join all these classes. It's like, that's adding a lot of value for you to go to that gym. Right. So I think regardless of how long the pandemic continues, when, if ever people flock back to brick and mortar gyms, it feels like Peloton is is set up to succeed in either and any of those scenarios. See, and I I, I disagree in that I think. Ooh. I, I, yeah. Well, I mean, they're set this up is what nice. the people come for. Well, but I I agree with you. They're set up nice, but I I don't think they're going to be dealing with the same issues once the pandemic's over. And and I say that because I think you if you're a gym, if you own a gym, January when you everybody makes their new New Year's resolution to quit being a fat ass. <laughs> and they all sign up for the gyms. They gym memberships skyrocket in January. Now I just see this pandemic as Peloton's extended January. Like, like I just see it like everybody's stuck in the house. How do you exercise in the house? Let's get a Peloton. Once we're not stuck in the house anymore, once we're and I'm and I have said this in pe- past episodes, so I just would like to reiterate, I don't believe the new normal is anything like the old normal that's coming. So I, and I, but I also am not naive enough to sit here and try and guess as to what the new normal looks like. So, but I also think like Peloton should be more concerned with how do we navigate losing all those gym subscriptions from February to December, like a normal gym does versus trying to just keep growing and just thinking that people are going to continue to use Peloton once life does get to this new normal again. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair question. Um, it reminds me of a stat I saw in the article I was reading that said, I think that their churn rate over from March to like now, uh, their their average monthly churn rate is under a, per, a percent, which is right. insane. I mean, to, only, to lose less than a percent of your customer base every month is like, it, it's. I think that's probably unheard of like in any business, let alone fitness uh, memberships. So yeah, I think, I think it'll be interesting. Like, can they brand and market Peloton as the 
premier uh, option for home or out of gym fitness against going for an actual bike ride or going for a run outside. Um, I think another problem that they'll have or another like threat, I suppose, if you're looking at the good old SWOT analysis would be other companies and, and brands coming in and being at a lower price point, both from the equipment and the membership cost. Uh, right now, Peloton has two different subscription models. One is 13 bucks a month. One's $39 a month. I know like Nordic does Nordic, a bike. Mirror, and, that, that mirror company. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think they definitely have a couple like threats for sure. Um, but I think they're what they can not necessarily rest their laurels on, but they know that they are like the industry leader. They're the Nike. They're the Starbucks. They're the Apple. Um so I wouldn't be surprised to see them just try and double down. But I also, did, you, I think we're forgetting. You got 24-hour fitness and Planet Fitness and all them are coming back too. Like those people aren't going to quit. Like they didn't go, they're not going away. Once their people are allowed to come back to their gym, those people got mouths to feed too. Yeah. And, and it's a funny point that you bring up um, because earlier this week, Pfizer announced that in like the third stage of their clinical trials, they have found a vaccine that in the studies – uh, was 90% effective in kind of vaccinating somebody against the coronavirus. Now there are still many steps that have to be taken. I know this because my mom worked for Pfizer for her entire career. Um, so not just shout spout. out, shout out Babs. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Babs. I'm not just, I'm not completely just spouting off the top of a uh, soapbox here, but definitely good news, right? Like better than not having that. But as we look at it from the fitness industry, it was it was funny to see that on the day that that Pfizer announcement happened, Peloton's stock went down slightly. I mean, it's still way up, but it went down slightly. And Planet Fitness and 24-Hour Fitness stocks went up. So people are, I mean, people are playing that game across brands, the stock market, consumers. Um, so it's, it is going to be interesting to see how they adapt to changing consumer preferences changing consumer like abilities like are people even able to do something other than peloton if they want and then ultimately competition coming in from this this way that way and the other uh, yeah i agree i think it's gonna be interesting to put play out i think we should uh pin that one uh and come back to it in uh once we know what life looks like on the other side of this yeah thing. and, and i think I would say look for them to become more involved with these kind of content creator or influencer uh, or cultural icon type partnerships. Um, these are the partnerships that are just blowing up across all of business, not even sports. You look at the Travis Scott meal at McDonald's and some of these other little instances of, of brands getting involved with specific cultural icons and doing something very authentic to them. Uh, so keep so that in the back of your mind as well i can i like for the record i've never used a peloton never been on one don't i, I understand it's a bike or a treadmill type system and it, it's really it's the computer connected to the bike or treadmill is really what the peloton is but um you're telling me if i get a peloton i can ride a bike or run with beyonce now is that i think that's a good chance actually i know like a bunch of the like espn talking heads are always in classes together. Like you can jump in on whatever class that they're in. And like, it, it's more of like about the community in the class, I think more so than the 
uh, equipment itself. So yeah, I mean, I think that there right, would be a so chance that on, you could producer Kennedy put it on the put it up. We're starting a GoFundMe. Let's get Paul at a Peloton. He needs, to run, he needs to run with Beyonce. She, she her uh, her playlist would have to just be H Town Legends. Get Bun B, Paul Wall, Hot Slim Thug, Zero. Yeah, we're we're getting we're getting real. It's Was, gonna uh, get nuts. Was Gorilla Zoe an H Town legend? Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> Gorilla Zoe, isn't it? Mike Jones, yes. Man, what a time! Early two thousands. <laughs> you know, and you know, you know, we're getting it chopped and screwed. We're gonna. It's, some of the songs have to be chopped and screwed. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. We weren't even necessarily old enough to like really appreciate the uh houston and atlanta kind of southern rap boom that happened in the early 2000s but now being old enough and being able to go back as somebody who wasn't in those areas when it was happening it's like these dudes are really doing it like and you feel those influences across music today all the time and you're like okay like this makes sense you i can't tell you how many times i do in the sun in the summer especially not in houston i literally blast slim thug just through riding through the town with my Ashco's hat on <laughs> and just sun beam, bumming down. Oh, it's great, man. It's great. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, let's get into our last work topic of the uh, week. And I'm going to kick oh, it over boy. to you uh, because you are our current resident minor league baseball aficionado. Um, I'll just tee it up as this. We know uh, on this show, minor league baseball has gone through as troubling of times as anybody through the pandemic, especially from a business standpoint. And recently, some more news has come out that uh, continues the shakeup of what minor league baseball is and what it's going to look like as we go forward into 2021. Yes. Um, so for the dedicated hundreds of thousands of listeners that were here with us in our first uh, quarter century of episodes, um, we've, we've kind of been giving you an, uh, update on minor league baseball as they come with what's happening there and what's going on. Uh, so real quick, just to catch everybody else, the other millions of you that have joined us, uh, <laughs> to, to catch you up to speed. Um, basically the professional baseball agreement, the agreement that held minor league baseball and major league baseball together, uh, expired on September 30th. Uh, or October 1st, depending on what attorney you ask. And 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 basically that was the end of minor league baseball as we know it. Uh, it was kind of a big point of contention uh, in winter meetings last year. I was in attendance at winter meetings last year. And there was a lot of, I won't say animosity, but animosity uh, between the two sides on kind of how this was all going to shake out at the time, major league baseball pretty much told minor league baseball that they wanted to cut 40 teams, major league, minor league baseball was like, no, we're not doing that. You're cutting the roots of you're cutting the grassroots system of baseball out of the country. And they got many legislatures to pass these America's pastime laws, blah, blah, blah. Then fast forward a couple of months, uh, this pandemic hit, I don't know if you've heard of it called the coronavirus. Uh, it shut everything down, got the minor league baseball season canceled, um, and pretty much brought baseball as we know it to a screeching halt. Uh, and minor league baseball teams were thrown into pretty much a financial tailspin, uh, in that there was no season. Um, so pretty much major league baseball, major league baseball's dirty work, quote unquote, dirty work was done for it. Uh, in that, uh, a lot of these minor league teams were put under such a financial strain that they, 
weren't going to be able to make it anyway. So a lot of them are being removed due to financial distress. So uh, here we are now on the other side of September 30th. September 30th rolls around. The agreement expires. Minor League Baseball officially, um, I won't say folds. It was then woven into Major League Baseball. They shut down the office in Florida. Pat O'Connor, the old commissioner of Minor League Baseball, retired. Uh, and it's been a lot of uncertainty. None of the minor league teams, uh, including the Peoria Chiefs, the one I work for, really know where they're going to land. Uh, they really don't know what the 2021 looks like at all. They don't know what, if any new agreement looks like, just kind of a bunch of rumors being tossed around, um, trying to figure out the lay of the land. Well, um, over the weekend, the New York Yankees were the first domino to fall, if you will. Uh, the New York Yankees kind of announced who their four affiliates will be. Uh, and they include the Scranton Rail Riders, the Somerset Patriots, Hudson Valley Renegades, and the Tampa Tarpons. Um, now, I don't that probably doesn't mean a whole lot to any of you unless you're a Yankees fan. But the big shock there um, is both the Staten Island Yankees, the Trenton Thunder, and the Charleston River Dogs were all left off um, the Yankees list of teams that they that were wanted. Uh, and even more of a sh shock, if you will, uh, the Yankees didn't tell Trenton, Staten Island, and Charleston that they weren't uh -oh. coming along for the ride. <laughs> um, and so there was a uh, quite a um, – I'll just call it a heat of passion. I'm going to just use a, a, a lawyer term. Uh, if you want to go look it up on Twitter, you can. It's still up as of this recording. Um, the general manager of the Trenton Thunder um, – didn't have had some choice words uh, for the Yankees. Uh, I he f found out. He said he found out that the Yankees were leaving the organization uh, over Twitter from a season ticket hold, or over Twitter. Uh, and then fast forward over to their friends a few few hours up the street in Staten Island. Uh, they were hosting an event for season ticket holders at the ballpark, and um, the general manager was you know putting on the event. And uh, a season ticket holder came up to the general manager of the Staten, then Staten Island Yankees and showed him on Twitter that the Yankees were leaving and he got the news that way. So <laughs> uh, not, not great. And then Charleston, another team that uh, many in minor league baseball circles uh, believed would be included in the Yankees picks uh, also was left out. So what does this mean as a then? Well, there was all these, speculations on who was going to be left out, who was not. Um, the Yankees were a big part of this whole problem to begin with uh, because the Yankees had a multitude of minor league teams. They had eight minor league teams before this all started under this new Lunau proposal, which we're going to get to that later on in the show, who Jeff Luno is, if you don't know. But this Lunau proposal, that's what this all – cutting everybody down to four minor league teams, that's the Lunau proposal it, formed into this um everybody believed the yankees were just going to take their eight minor league teams pick four of them and the other four would be in the free market what ended up happening happening is the yankees cut six of them and instead of four so what does that do well for those of you who remember the great denard robinson on the cover of ncaa i believe it's 14 correct uh, 
Yes. Uh, it started at coaching carousel because now other minor league teams now have the Charleston River Dogs, Staten Island Yankee, or Staten Island and Trenton all available for them to pick. And so instead of keeping their own teams that they had before, they're now looking at Trenton, now looking at Staten Island, now looking at Charleston going, oh, those are some pretty good teams. Are they better than any of the four we got? Cool. We'll take Charleston and then whoever, insert team here, you're gone. So you you see, and then once they get their four picked, their four teams kind of in their system, you'll they'll come out and announce, you know, that's us. So what happens as of Tuesday, uh, the New York Mets were the second team to come out with their affiliates, uh, being the Syracuse Mets, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, Brooklyn Cyclones, and the St. Lucia Mets. Um, so the there's two one and a half surprises there. Binghamton was originally supposed to be cut entirely. Uh, the the Mets after they do, dropped seventeen point five million dollars into a brand new stadium. The Mets said, "Nope, we're cool. We got you. You're in." <laughs> um, and then Brooklyn uh, was also supposed to be the Mets' last pick. They were supposed to be the bottom. They moved up one. Uh, not that that really makes a hell of a difference, um, but just a half star surprise if you uh for, if you're keeping score at home um so the Mets announced another one so that is another team that wasn't expected to be on the list that now made the cut so again you're just slowly starting to see teams you're going to have a lot of teams that are just shocked at the end of the day you're going to surprise there's going to be a lot of Trentons there's going to be a lot of Charleston's and a lot of Staten Islands that and that's my concern however I, if I'm Trenton and if I'm Staten Island and if I'm Charleston, I'm just thrilled that I'm the the first team on the list that did this as opposed to being the 29th team. And then I get booted for, you know, as the carousel goes down the list. Yeah. I mean, I've got a couple of questions to unpack. So first we'll just, we'll almost start at the end there where if you are one of these teams that gets cut, so you're Staten Island, you're Trenton, uh, you are um, Charleston. If you're the GM, are you getting on the phone and trying to get a hold of every player development coordinator or director in Major League Baseball to say, yo, we're open, we're ready for business, we got good facilities, we perform well financially, we got a good uh, good fan base, so on and so forth. What what are these guys doing now? So uh, I'm glad you asked because as of late last night, uh, late Tuesday, uh, the the Minnesota Twins announced their AAA affiliate, and many believed, and, and this is fresh. So if as of when this recording drops, if this is different, sorry. Like as of right now, <laughs> uh, this and that this is true. The Twins came out late last night and announced all four of their affiliates. And then as of this morning, decided that's not – they're re- reneging on the list and they're only going to stick with their AAA – their new AAA affiliate. So the Twins ditched Rochester, their AAA team, and kicked them to the curb. And they took the St. Paul Saints into as their AAA team and they were supposed to move Rochester down. However – after Trenton became available, there's now rumors swirling that the Twins want Trenton. And so, as you can see, this is just creating more and more and more of a convoluted mess. 
Um, because now Rochester is now looking at Trenton saying, screw you, man, you just cost us an affiliate or <clears throat> a licensee. And now they, Rochester could be looking for a home as opposed to, and, and both New York teams are gone at this point. So it's like, now Rochester could get left out in the cold, which nobody really saw coming. So it's it's just a a, a continuous cycle. With St. Paul, um, I know that that name sounds familiar because I think they kind of pioneered a lot in the sports sponsorship and the kind of like promotional game day promotional stuff within um, not major league baseball so minor league or independent ball are they an independent team now that's jumping into minor league baseball they were they were an independent team they were one of what was originally supposed to be two independent teams that were going to join uh which then expanded the amount of official minor league teams that were going to get eliminated cut whatever the word you want to use is um and but obviously the yankees changed that even more they added the somerset patriots um which I, I, I'm not sold that they're going to stay the Patriots. So if, again, all you New Yorkers listening, don't get mad. Like, they, at the time of this recording, they're still the Somerset Patriots. Um, but so the, these independent teams coming in uh, is really throwing a wrench in all the counts. And, and there's a lot of minor league teams out there um, pulling uh, one political party's uh, method of screaming, stop the count, stop the count. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's, uh, it's getting pretty, pretty hairy. Um, but you bring up an interesting point that I also think kind of rolls in with our work topic here. And that's an independent league team coming in and all of a sudden becoming a triple a team. So going literally from not professional baseball or independent professional baseball. So the lowest level of professional baseball to, the highest that's not major league like yeah. literally one step before the show how like how is that fair how does that work what's that look like and, and i think and then there's teams you know once these minor league teams do get picked like are they moving up levels moving down levels is it like how are we hashing that out um so they've set up major league baseball has set up a system kind of in and this was in the the lunau proposal where they assign values to each level of tier that you're currently at. Uh, so <clears throat> a triple A team is worth quote unquote, $10 million. A double A team is worth, let's say seven, a single A team is worth three. And then an independent league team is worth zero. So uh, if you move up or move down, if you move up, you're supposed to pay the difference in the level that you moved from to the level you're moving to. And if you Yeesh. move down, you're supposed to receive the difference in the level of which you moved from to where you're moving to. And, you know, in theory, it's supposed to all even out. I, you know, I'm not a genius, not a soothsayer. I'm not pocket watching the Saints, but the St. Saint Paul Saints by any stretch. Not a pocket watcher. For those of you who are original listeners, you know we're not a pocket watching podcast. But I find it very, very, very hard to believe that the St. Paul Saints have $10 million just in a bank somewhere that they're ready to shell over to Major League Baseball. And yeah. so I, I think the Twins are going to have to shell over some extra cash um, to make that work. And I think it's just kind of piles on to show you how serious the Twins are about putting their AAA team right next door in St. Paul. Yeah. Whew. Holy cow. It's... um. So the Twins have already brought in one independent league team. 
I'm inferring that the Yankees brought in two. They well, they brought in one and then took a team that was below single A in their in their other one. Okay, so they took one of their either like short season or rookie ball teams. Correct. So that's something. <clears throat> excuse me. That when people now hear, okay, each team is going to have four affiliates. They're going to have a triple A, double A, advanced single A, and then regular single A. Previously, you had triple A, double A, advanced A, single A, short season A, and then rookie ball. And there are teams. Some teams had like three or four rookie ball teams. Correct. So when you look at these teams, like the Yankees all of a sudden had eight teams, they got to whittle it down to four. Uh, and they're also able to cherry pick teams from an independent league or shit. They could they could have really gone back door and like picked a team that was in somebody else's pool of past affiliates, right? Like they technically could have. Right. Um, it's going to be interesting, and it's exactly what you said. It's it's going to be this carousel of now. Uh, it's like it's like the gift uh, the gift game at Christmas or whatever holiday where. Whoever opens up the best gift first, you know that thing's getting stolen every single Single. round. So are we going to see that with uh, some of these teams that are getting the axe early on? I would assume that there will be some teams that get picked up uh, who were once dropped. Let's fast forward to the end of this thing. Okay, every major league team has their four affiliates. What happens for these organizations who have now lost affiliation um, and there is no major league baseball sponsored uh professional league for them to operate in what happens to those teams because there's going to be what 40 to 50 of them yes uh, yeah 40 to 50 and i think that's a conservative number um but and that's the million dollar question is what happens right now i think everybody with the exception of a a handful that have kind of just tipped their cap and said we're out. Thanks for everything, guys. And it was fun. Um, with the handful of those five, ten teams that are doing that, uh, most of them are just like right now, fingers crossed, praying that they have a team and have an affiliate in 2021. But I think you're going to see one of two things happen. You're going to either see that them go to the independent slash college wood bat league and try and just sell the community in that in that it's not professional baseball, but we're still giving you that experience. Um, but the other side of the coin is you're going to see a lot of empty stadiums in small markets, small towns across the country. And it, it uh, just because, and, and that could, that goes to how long does this thing last? Uh, the, the, and that this thing being the Rony, like how long is the Rony around to where even these teams that get left out, um, can even have a chance of of salvaging themselves or saving themselves from the ruin I are being done. Yeah, it's going to be incredibly tough. I mean, even in a non-Rona situation, like once you are no longer affiliated with Major League Baseball um, and therefore not like in the minor league system or whatever you want to call it, now all of a sudden you got to do all your player stuff yourself. So you got to go out and get players and do the if you want to scout or even just go into like entice people to come play for you you got to do that all on your own where previously if you're the business side of uh, the peoria chiefs or the eugene emeralds you're not having to go out and scout players and sign contracts and worry about any of that stuff they just show up a lot of them come and go throughout the season 
And that's a tough proposition. I mean, there's going to be people out there that are are likely going to want to continue to play baseball because if there's less minor league teams, that also means that there's a lot of guys who would have been playing minor league baseball who are now um, kind of shit out of luck and might not be ready to hang up the cleats. But man, even if you were able to have fans in the stands, just getting the team together, getting uh, secondary oh, you're, you're, leagues together it's that's an uphill battle man that is an right uphill the, battle. the expenses are even are just through the roof i mean you and, and but let's be real equipment these, yeah i mean jesus these Christ, owners man. these owners <clears throat> aren't aren't capital flush right now like you're not no. in a situation where you have the capital to take on additional expenses to start that that venture you know what i'm saying so like it's it's really going to be come down to you're probably going to have to have some phone calls get investment groups in to take over owners and you know how that goes and and it's just going to start this spiral of where where we've got one or two independent league teams around the country that got left out yeah and the rest and the rest completely fold and and when you think about the teams that are kind of predisposed to not get selected for affiliation, you're thinking about the teams that were already struggling financially, uh, likely have bad facilities, which also is a is a factor or a product, I suppose, of struggling financially. So it's like they don't even have uh, like a ground to start on. Like they're they're starting trying to build a stadium underwater. You know, it's like. Eh it's it's sad it's it's incredibly hard to sad, do hard to do i don't know if any of you have tried to build a building underwater it doesn't sound like it's easy to do i still don't understand how they build bridges like how do you pour concrete underwater i just i can't i don't understand how it. did they build atlantis that was another one <laughs> good question good question <laughs> these are the questions that we attempt to answer on the cutback podcast but never are able to do but just a uh, a brief glimpse into our miscellaneous minds let's uh go ahead and transition into the play topic here now because we are in the middle of football season colin and i are degenerate football season's over no it's (laughs) over there's no this we are not in the middle anymore well and this is because colin and i are degenerate michigan football fans uh both worked for the team in different capacities uh while we were undergrad at the university um and michigan football has now lost two games in a row and looks like they don't care about playing football one bit uh but we are also nor do i i don't care about watching it (laughs) so this this is the one this i have reached the point it sounds like you have too where there are no there are no further expectations for michigan football this year so you're almost able to just watch the games in kind of a self-loathing uh stupor that it's just like hey we're probably gonna suck and we're probably gonna lose the only thing that matters to me anymore is ohio that's it i don't care i would i do not care anymore i don't care like they don't care I don't care. As long as Ohio doesn't beat us by 50, I'm good. Try uh, try not to get your hopes up too much on that one, bud, because I am not looking forward to that game. Let's talk about a team that did win this week uh, that we also have ties to, and that's the Oregon Ducks. Uh, what did you think of the Ducks' first game? Were you able to watch it? Um, Want to know? Want to know? Uh, Want to know? I'll take it. Uh, do I think they look like world beaters? Am I ready to put them up against uh, – Alabama? No. Am I ready to put him against Ohio State? No. Um, but I I was underwhelmed with the defense, but I also, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to make the same mistake I made with Michigan putting too much stock into the first game, like it, which yeah. is what exactly what I did. Um, so I'm just going to come out with a very uh, good – I'm going to copy you. I'm just going to say 1-0. 
take it wins a win and down the road we go yeah i mean it's it's tough because it's the first game everybody's played you you there's nothing to compare anybody to stanford didn't have their starting quarterback what was missing one of their top receivers the one thing that i took out of it that was a positive was like you said the defense struggled at the beginning of the game uh was kind of getting ran all over uh getting gashed really um but i did think that the team made adjustments on both sides of the ball as the game went on uh and we've seen teams that don't do that so that was my <laughs> like hey want to know made some adjustments we'll see what happens next week i uh, am we're team adjustments here at the cutback pod we are team adjustments man yeah yeah <laughs> especially when it comes to how you manage uh play calling in a football game let's go to one that we tabled last week and this comes to us from our very own producer Kennedy, who, if you are new to the show, if you are new to the show, you will hear uh, producer Kennedy work herself into the conversation. Uh, usually, every episode via via different topics that she she sends to Colin and I to kind of keep us honest and make sure that we're not getting stuck in the only things that we like to talk about. Uh, and and this is one of those perfect examples of. This happened now like two weeks ago where the Arizona Coyotes of the NHL uh, actually renounced the rights to their fourth round draft pick. Uh, they didn't have picks in rounds one through three. So this was their guy, even though he was in the fourth fourth round. Like <laughs> This was their guy. This was their first pick that they it's got. Just the Houston Texans of NHL. <laughs> <laughs> now, I looked into this and this thing gets a little crazy. So... Um, reports surfaced after the draft that um, their draft pick Mitchell Miller was convicted in 2016 in an Ohio juvenile court of bullying a black and disabled classmate of his. Now this is where it gets hairy. Uh, Phoenix, or excuse me, the Arizona Coyotes came out and said that they were aware of the bullying incident before drafting him, but saw it as a teachable moment. Then once the report comes to light after he was drafted, then they said, see ya. So that's my first uh, problem is basically these, their front office, their general manager, their hockey department knew full and well what happened in this situation. They it said, just waited until it became public knowledge. Yeah. They said, we're good with this. Uh, then it becomes public knowledge and they say, oh, we, we would never support that. So on and so forth. We're, we're renouncing our rights. So I think that was kind of bullshit. Um, their GM came out and said that he was not involved in the draft process and they were going through a scouting department turnover, which was partially true. The previous Coyotes GM stepped down kind of in the middle of the summer after the president and CEO were let go on the heels of sanctions from the NHL for violating combine testing policy. So their entire front office on the hockey side is in disarray. Uh, and they doubled down by deciding to take a kid that they knew did some fucked up shit. And uh, then when it came to light, they said, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll let him go. We'll let him go. So kind of good for them. But I'm not I'm not patting them on the back too much personally. Uh, the only good thing that would be good for the Arizona Coyotes is if they left Arizona. Dude, I think they do OK down there from a fan standpoint. Based on what? Anecdotal evidence. Anecdote, okay. What's let's hear these anecdotes. I knew somebody who lived. One of my good friends lived in Phoenix. Uh, for they don't like, even play in Phoenix. Where don't they play outside of Phoenix? Glendale. Yeah, that's where the Cardinals play. That's oh, just Scottsdale. like a suburb. No, it's Scottsdale. It's Scottsdale. Don't. No. 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 It's definitely Scottsdale. Oh, they don't well, play. It's Scottsdale. This shows you how much of a hockey podcast we are. So well, let's just move on. Basically saying that yeah, 
it's odd having a hockey team in Arizona, but uh, they got to get some shit figured out in the front office. Um, speaking of getting things figured out in the front office, you called your shot last week uh, as we talked about AJ Hinch being hired as the Tigers manager on the uh, heels of his one-year suspension from Major League Baseball due to his involvement in a certain sign-stealing scandal. You said, hey, be prepared for the Red Sox to rehire Alex Cora. Sure enough, Cora, back at the helm, filling out the lineup card for the Red Sox. What are your thoughts? Uh, so we're gonna, we'll just go ahead. For those, this is a dedicated segment, and for those who don't know, uh, we, have, we usually have three types of dedicated segments here at the Cutback Pod. We have the Fire Breather, Crackback, and Money Move of the Week. Um, Fire Breather Week, Hot Take. Uh, producer Kennedy will usually call me out because she says I have some hot takes, uh, but you don't get one this week. Uh, a good money. example of a fire breather was in about May. I said the Detroit Lions will win the NFC North, and I brought a lot of stats to support it. And now I look like a complete stooge. <laughs> stooge is the truth. I also took the Houston Texans to win the AFC South. Uh, that's not a statistical impossibility at this point. Um, but I'll take looking like a stooge to get rid of Bill O'Brien. So we'll call it a win. Um, but so this week I used the crackback of the week. This is, and this is my crackback and crackback is just something that makes you go, huh? Uh, very much a what's going on around here kind of moment. Um, and I guess the Alex Cora rehiring, um, and I say rehiring, um, I'm not shocked just because by the actual rehiring itself. Like you mentioned, I kind of expected it last week. Um, but what I am shocked about is just the national narrative surrounding both Alex Cora and AJ Hinch getting hired in that there's just literally less than one year ago, these men both were ringleaders of a crime mafia and that it just was the biggest scandal in baseball history since the 1919 Black Sox. Like that's what these people were saying. The vitriol, vile nonsense that is coming out of these people's mouths over what happened. And these two men were the ringleaders. According to what everybody was saying, these were the two. This was Al Capone and Al Pacino right here. <laughs> like, like, and, what it, and they both have jobs less than a year later. And people are celebrating. The Red Sox are celebrating, saying he learned his lesson. We've moved on. And like. We're so happy to have him back. And what does this do? Folks, it goes back to what I've been saying all along. The baseball does not care about what the Astros did because all of baseball was doing it. Literally, the whole league was doing it. And they rehired these people because they're good, smart, talented managers. And they need them to win. Period. That sounded like a fire breather within a crackback, if I've ever heard one myself. Take it. I don't care. <laughs> I'll leave that one out for the, to marinate for the people. Um, I accidentally cut you off uh, before you mentioned what the money move of the week. The money move, uh, if either Colin and I have one, is just something that we saw in either sports business or um, in sports itself, in the world of sports, that we thought was brilliant. We could use the Beyonce Peloton agreement as a money move of the week because it kind of checked all the boxes of what you are looking for out of kind of a new age, innovative uh, corporate partnership. 
I too have a crack back of the week this week. And uh, Mr. Munns was a little upset with me because I got into the outline first and was able to put this, this, uh, this crack back in before. But he don't was. worry, but don't worry. I will drop the Astros being scapegoated on a national scale <laughs> whenever you'll let me. So it's yeah. okay. <laughs> Too much chagrin of our listeners. It, it does work its way into most episodes. Um, but let's talk about one college football game that happened this weekend. Uh, number one, Clemson, Sans Trevor Lawrence traveled into just the beautiful South Bend, Indiana. And uh, well, that's not a word I would use to describe South Bend, Indiana, under any circumstance. <laughs> yeah, myself either, but you know, just trying trying to give the people a little joy here. And uh, Notre Dame ends up winning the game in double overtime. And I was watching the game with my parents. And I noticed in the second overtime after Notre Dame scored pretty much immediately um, in the second overtime as they had the ball first, that the student section within Notre Dame Stadium, because Notre Dame is allowing, uh, I think, like 25% capacity of fans, started creeping. Everybody started creeping down to the bottom of the stands. And I said, staying six feet apart, of course, right? uh, Yeah, of course, of course. On the record, yes. Off the record, absolutely not. Everybody had two eyes watching that TV. Saw that, you know, there were no fa- there was no space left. Everybody was face to face. No space. Uh, your your parental uh, chaperones at your high school school dances would have been pissed off because there was there you were face to face. You didn't leave any space, right? No room for Jesus. No, none, none. <laughs> Except outside of the building, the touchdown Jesus, there was that was the only Jesus in sight. Um, <laughs> regardless, <laughs> so I start seeing, you know, the students are creeping down, they're packing in. I'm saying, and I said to my parents, I said they're about to storm the field if they win. Uh, like I think they're going to storm the field. They were like, no, they won't let them do that. They won't let them do that. Sure enough. Uh, Notre Dame stops Clemson uh, in the second overtime to win the game. And I think everybody in that stadium of any age ended up on the field basically immediately, immediately. And um, we can put aside the whole Rona aspect of this and and being curious as to like how that's going to play out. Um, My first thought was if I'm Dabo Sweeney, I am fucking pissed. I am pissed because one, this whole storming the field while from a fan standpoint, I kind of love it. Like have gotten to storm a basketball court once in high school. And it was like one of the coolest things ever. Cause it just, it's like organic. It just kind of happens and people are like out of their minds, kind of, kind of going crazy. So from a fan aspect, I get it from an opposing team standpoint, especially the away team. It's a, it's a nightmare from all right. different standpoints. I mean, Jabril Peppers at Michigan got in trouble baselessly, in my opinion, based on the video that I saw. But you got all these kids who are feeling pretty courageous and either coming up and saying wild shit to players of the other team on the field or physically pushing them and then expecting those players who are probably pretty fucking pissed off that they just lost to not do anything in return. So it's always just been a terrible situation from that standpoint, because if you're the way team, you're just trying to get off the field get off the field, and get out of there. And now if I'm Dabo Sweeney, I'm like, so not only am I dealing with just that normal nonsense, but now what if half of my team 
got infected with the Rona because we literally could not get off the field. Like for at least five, 10 minutes, Clemson was just standing in the corner of the end zone because they could not physically get off the field. They're all just standing there. So my, that was where my mind when I was like, Dabo has got to be fucking pissed. And um, this reminds me of the world series situation with Justin Turner coming out after the game, so on and so forth. We'll never hear about that again because major league baseball isn't playing. So people aren't getting tested. They so can't so blame the Astros for it. Also true. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm just hopeful that Notre Dame doesn't have a spike in a few weeks. Um, like we're seeing now in college football, what happened two weeks ago, Halloween, Halloween parties. Now the most games in a week are being canceled across college football. So I'm hoping that that's not the case for Notre Dame. I'm definitely hoping it's not the case for Clemson. Yeah, the and SEC's got to be feeling pretty good about their SEC. They're all that COVID protocols and stuff they've been putting in, right? It just means more down in the SEC. It just more, means more. More testing. We, we would need – yeah. <laughs> we, we would need more time to fully get into that one. But my, my main what are we doing goes to uh, primarily the ushers who were uh, just kind of, I think, helping – helping students you know. <laughs> they were pushing them over the ledge and, and I, I almost almost immediately retract that because i know that those, it shouldn't be on those ushers like they're not there to do that they never are there to do that regardless but it's just it, it's a bad situation brian kelly came out after the game and said some bullshit that like i told our guys we were gonna win they were gonna storm the field just get right to the locker room give me a fucking break brian kelly you didn't say that shit and you definitely didn't enforce it because your whole team was party right in the middle of that indie in the middle of the field and brian kelly's like oh i was the first one off the field i don't know where everybody else was at we practiced it we knew we were gonna win i'm like you're an idiot um so it's gonna be interesting that was wild twitter was a a a firestorm after that one um and notre dame's campus has already had a lot of issues uh they were like shut down and in quarantine for a few weeks kind of when they first came back on the campus so it's going to be interesting, uh, and it makes me wonder if that will kind of start to make people uh, not have fans in the stands because if let's just look at it from a risk mitigation standpoint of knowing that if your team has to miss games, that means you're losing money. If students rushing the field or rushing the court when basketball season comes around directly leads to your team having to miss games and your athletic department losing money, was it worth it? I, I, that's a, you, that's a great in theory. Um, but as you, you said earlier, and we need more time to unpack this and maybe we'll get to it next week. Um, but it just means more in the sec and they will never, can they'll never cancel a game. Well, this never. was, the, this was the ACC, you know, too, I know so it is, like- I know it is, but you, in order for them to cancel games and, and remove fans altogether, the SEC is going to have to do it. They're yeah, not just going to do it by themselves and leave the SEC. The ACC already proved earlier this year that they and they're the the Barney Rubble to the SEC's Fred Flintstone. <laughs> That's an awesome, awesome <laughs> comparison. What I'm also curious about um, is if the ACC will fine Notre Dame because correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the Pac-12 has, and this was pre-Rona, pre-Rona, the Pac-12 has uh, like legislation or guidelines that they basically don't allow students to rush the field or rush the court um it obviously still has happened on a few occasions and i believe the pac-12 then uh finds the shit out of that university so i'll be curious to see if the ac i mean they haven't said anything yet so my guess is nothing's going to happen but that was another one of my first thoughts is like does the acc say hey we brought you in let you play a season 
now now the entire field is full of leprechauns running around spewing potentially the rona I, to, I to our top think, team our top team our I also team think it's hilarious that, that, that I, and if i'm notre dame i would if you tried to find me in the if you're the acc and you tried to find me i would tell you kick rocks i'm i'm not in your conference normally i'm a i'm an independent in football remember so you can't find my football team like and it just – I would just re- – because what are they going to do? Kick you out of the conference in 2021? And you're just going to be like, great, thanks. Like, we're right back where we started. Yeah, yeah. Notre Dame does have all the leverage in that situation. One last uh, note on just that game. Um, DJ Uwangalele, stud. Ooh, nice pronunciation job there. That was good. That you're kid. Called, you're you're, you're oh, dubbing him? Crowning yeah. him? You're crowning him? Yeah. I'm crowning his ass 100%. It's going to, uh, in two years, it's going to be tank for, tank for DJ for sure. And I'm hoping the Lions get him, honestly, because that kid is a fucking. I mean, you're talking about a kid who is a, he's a true freshman quarterback this year. That kid is a true freshman, not redshirt freshman, true freshman on the road with fans in the stands at a top five team in the country, takes him to double overtime. I mean, Basically, his first, like, well, second true start. I mean, and, and his stats were ungodly. I mean, yeah, that dude's a stud. He's 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 the guy. I think fully. Uh, I it's funny that uh, good teams tend to stack quarterbacks, and then you have some teams that wear amazing blue uh, on Saturday, and they can't seem <laughs> to find one. Hey, the recruiting services say that we're starting to stack them. We'll see if it pans out. I don't um, put a single cent of stock into those recruiting services. <laughs> I know. Neither of us do. Uh, but speaking of DJ Wongolele, uh, our first, or at least my first exposure to him was on his Oregon recruiting visit uh, when he was a junior in high school. Um, and the Oregon fan base thought that they were definitely going to get him. Uh, I think you and I were probably safely assuming not going to happen. Not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 no. I uh, I was there. I believe I was there. Yeah, you should. You would, you would have been in ops at the time. Yes, I was there. Uh, when he came, and uh, I I can comfortably say, um, I don't even think the school was sh- uh, believing they were going to get him the on the inside. Uh, so, um, but yes, that that is. The na- I, that he was a name well before last Saturday. Yeah, St. John Bosco High School in California. He would start, I think, at every other college in America right now, including yeah. Alabama, including uh, Notre Dame. Probably the only two places he wouldn't start. Uh, Clemson. Clemson and Ohio State Yeah, are the only two, in my opinion. But yes. hey. I we'll- think that's a very accurate statement. We will leave that there, and I want you to introduce listeners, young, old, new, uh, with us from the get-go, ride or dies, to the Fantasy Five. All right. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, and I hope this week there's millions of you uh, that don't know what the Fantasy Five is, uh, each week Ian and I pick a topic, and uh, we each pick a team of five within that topic, and we pit those two teams of five against each other. Um, and then we kind of throw it to y'all on social media to determine who's got the better team. We do use the snake system uh, because we do live in a society and it separates us from the animals. And this week, the topic is in is superheroes. And 
just a quick caveat for everybody. This can be DC. This can be Marvel. We're not sticking to one universe. Uh, it can be the only, and correct me if I'm wrong here, the only thing we're excluding is no super villains. So, like, the Joker is not allowed. Uh, you know, any kind of villains that are cool characters, um, not welcome to the party. Uh, you have to be on the good side of the line of good and evil. Correct. So, uh, and I believe if I'm, if I, if my memory serves, I believe I got my metaphorical ass kicked last <laughs> week. So big win, uh, big win, which we need to, I think at some point now that we're, we're to, you know, episode 26, which we also need to come up with who, who this episode 26 is for. Um, but I think it, it, we need to get like our final, what's our record against each other at this point. Yeah. I was thinking about that too. We're going to have to try and go back and figure that out. My guess is we're actually pretty close to 500 if I had to take a guess. Yeah. I got out to a pretty early, pretty large lead early, and, but I had a, I had a long losing streak there and then I ran a few off. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would say it's pretty close to, to 500. Which isn't good. I don't like it. So the, <laughs> I, the last few weeks, Ian's been inviting nothing but his closest friends and family uh, to vote. Uh, so I need you people to vote with your brains, vote with vote with your hearts, vote with your heads, uh, and just support the the good in the world and and who you know should win these the, the fantasy fights. <laughs> now, because I did win, uh, that leaves me the ultimate choice here. I got to pick if I want to have pick number one overall. Or if I want to have picks two and three overall and and kind of get that pick at the turn, because like Colin mentioned, uh, we do operate uh, using the snake draft format because we are uh, a society. We aren't just uh, animals running out, running around without opposable thumbs. Right. Now, here's my thought process. I know who number one on your list is. Yes, you and, do. And uh, if you don't pick that at number one, I will call foul. And this will be another pandering uh, fantasy five from Mr. Munz himself. So I'm just going to go ahead and give it to you. You can go ahead and take your number one overall pick, and I know who it is. So you better remain true to yourself in this first episode with potentially hundreds of thousands of new listeners. Uh, Well, it's millions now. We were at hundreds (laughs) of thousands before. Um, But this is one of the downsides to us living together is Ian knows me and he knows where I fall on this. Uh, My number one overall pick is quite easy. Uh, Call it a lay down Larry for me, a layup, if you will. Superman, welcome to the squad. Uh, Superman's coming off the board at one overall. Now, did you read like Superman comics as a kid or was it just from some of the movies? What's the infatuation? So I am not a comic guy. Uh, I will openly admit to that. However, um, when I was younger, uh, we did have cartoons. Um, some of you may not be old enough to remember uh, Saturdays. Saturday mornings would have the fuck uh, would have cartoons, and Superman was always a part of it. Uh, I just got into the general like at a young age was a. I would guess Superman fan uh, and then kind of just did some more deep diving into like when heroes became cool, I guess, like in the last decade or so uh, did some more deep diving into Superman and kind of what he stood for versus the others. 
Um, and Superman ultimately always just stood for the good in the world and uh, didn't really didn't really give a flying you know what about anything else. So <laughs> so that's why he was my guy. He's just always out for on the crusade. Fair enough. Fair enough. You just got to watch out for kryptonite. That's all I've ever heard. That's it. That's it. So now I sit at the just illustrious position of being able to take two, three. I am going to go with Batman and Iron Man. Two solid picks, both on my big board. Uh, I I honestly cannot uh, can't can't blame you for either of those selections. Um, it, let me ask you this: if I did, if you did take number one overall, was Batman your number one overall? Yeah, and this was this was a little tough for me as well because I too have never like in my entire life picked up a comic book. So if anybody listening is a true like comic book fan uh colin and i are probably gonna sound like complete idiots all the time (laughs) but um i just thought about the movies that i've watched and uh really it came down to even like the actors you know or actresses for that matter um i am a huge fan of the christian bale uh kind of dark knight trilogy um and then iron man uh as i kind of in the past year or two ran the gamut on the uh marvel universe uh, became a fan of Iron Man and him being in even the Avenger movies, uh, and obviously Robert Downey Jr. Downey Jr. as an actor. Uh, so those were kind of an insight as to why those were my picks, and will continue to be uh, kind of the tail of the tape when it comes to my big board. But yes, Batman uh, was number one. From- See, and I and I like Batman just because I love the Joker. I, I just think the Joker is such a cool vi- like bar bar none. It's not even close. The best supervillain of all supervillains. And if you don't like it, at me on Twitter. I'll, I'm ready to go. <laughs> uh, but Joker is by far the best supervillain. So I kind of I appreciate the Batman pick uh, just because Batman's villains are Always bar none notch. bar none the best villains in Bane? all. Of- yeah, Bane, Poison Ivy, the Joker, Mister Freeze. I mean, you can run them off. Like they're the the Batman villains are the best. Period. Yep. Without uh, a doubt. <clears throat> so me. good, good picks, good picks all around. Uh, all right, moving on. Next. Uh, okay. I'm 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 gonna take I'm gonna take I'm pretty. You, you'll probably see Ian kind of mentioned that he is more of a Marvel guy uh i am the other end of the spectrum i'm more of a dc person for sure and my next two picks are going to reflect that um first i'm taking wonder woman uh for a multitude of reasons uh one uh the the invisible plane uh big fan uh think that was a cool concept because she can't fly uh two uh gal gadot take it take it all you can have it it's yours <laughs> incredible actress yeah yes great she's great at what she does um and great wonder woman and great at everything else too so wonder woman number two and i'm taking the flash Ooh. next um because the flash i think is a good comedic character uh as a superhero he brought he provides a little comedy in the justice league um and i just I've never been fast at anything I do. Uh, so the idea of having super speed would be nice. So the flash. I am not super familiar with the flash outside of some of the just very surface level bits and pieces, but um, wonder woman, hard to argue with that pick. Great movie. 
um, certainly fits the criteria. So now I have uh, picks what? Six and seven for uh, superheroes number three and four on my team. Uh, I am going to go with the dynamic duo of Black Panther and Black Widow. Ooh. See, Black Panther, I was torn. He was he was next on my big board, so you stole that one from me. Uh, but Black Widow did not make my big board, and that is that is a explain that pick. So again, I mean, <laughs> I would be remiss in lying to myself if I said Scarlett Johansson wasn't a huge, huge reason for the inclusion <laughs> of Black Widow onto my big board. Um, but once we get past some some of that typical uh, male bullshit, um, I'm a big <laughs> fan of Black Widow in the Avengers movies. Like I wish that that character was in more movies. As I put together my list, I generally gravitated to people or superheroes that are like humans that make use of either extreme ta- uh, like training, like Black Widow does, as being like a trained assassin, um, so on and so forth, or um, integrating like technology, which Batman, Iron Man, and Black Panther all do. I seem to find myself like uh, jiving with those characters more and like enjoying them and what they do. And I am super pumped. Black Widow is supposed to have uh, like her own signature like backstory movie coming out in the next like round of Marvel releases. Um, super pumped for that and uh, wanted to have her on my squad. Oh, so there you go. Good pick. Uh, all right. Next. Moving on. Uh, I can't believe this fell this far. Um, being as he, I would call him a titan of the Marvel Universe. Oh. Uh, and I can't believe he's made it this far, but uh, my Spidey senses are tingling, and I'm taking Spider-Man at, with, with fourth, uh, my fourth pick. I just, I think uh, there's not a whole lot of explanation needed on that selection. Do you have a, an actor as oh. Spider-Man that you like? better than others or have you been happy with i guess See, what, I, three in our lifetime yeah so we had andrew garfield toby mcguire and tom holland tom holland uh so oh man that's tough so okay <sighs> they're all so kind of different like different, the, right the like, toby mcguire and andrew garfield spider-mans were like the mature spider-man and the tom holland spider-man in the avengers he's like the new kid on the block who's like get got pulled up from the jv team literally right it, literally um okay this is this is probably the least popular of the three but just because he was the first one in my lifetime and i enjoyed his wit and i thought he played spider-man well uh i'm going toby mcguire yeah i think that's fair um i haven't disliked any of them i think recency bias and and just like that the character of tom holland spider-man himself like the way that they kind of uh positioned him i kind of like a little better than the other ones but i i like the toby Maguire movies and the andrew uh garfield version as as a kid and growing up so i don't think you can really go wrong and incredibly underrated and and i say this because i just recently watched them uh, but spider-man homecoming and spider-man uh into the into the spider-verse uh both very good both very good noted uh, duly noted yeah so should should do watch if you have not uh okay next my last pick round out this squad and Ian will get mad at me because I'm I'm gonna pander. 
um, very much pander because I don't think any of you are going to know who my heart wants me to pick as my favorite superhero. So I'm pandering uh, and going to take my the one that's right below that on the big board, and that's Deadpool. And I'm picking Deadpool because he's hilarious, and some of you are probably like, he's not necessarily a hero, he's a mercenary. Shut up. Yes, he is a hero. He always picks the good guy. So Deadpool. Deadpool was on the list. Um, I will be curious to learn after my selection who you thought your pandering pick was going to be. Um, that was my pandering pick. Deadpool is me pandering because oh, I skipped – yeah. Yes, you know what I mean. Um, but first, I'll round my team out. Um, I'm going to take Thor. Good pick. Uh, no argument. You're going to win the women vote with that pick. <laughs> Except at the uh, at the back half of the uh, Avengers movies, where he's kind of put on a little bit of sad weight, you know. But yeah, sad weight, <laughs> sad weight. Hey, like, well, did yeah. you call it that? I don't know. That was just what popped into my head. I didn't know the best way to put it. <laughs> Hey, everybody has been a little depressed and put on some LBs before. Tell me about it. I'm living in that state right now. <laughs> um, okay, so let's first run back our teams, and then I have a few questions. I have uh, Batman, Iron Man, Black Panther, Black Widow, and Thor. Uh, Cullen, you have Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, Spider-Man, and Deadpool. Uh, so the first one I want to know is who you chose Deadpool over. Uh, okay. Uh, this was the first ever superhero that I ever watched in my lifetime. Uh, he is actually the second ever, quote unquote, superhero uh, that was made ever uh, in like a public fashion. Superman was third and Superman was created in 1941. I looked this up. Wow. Uh, uh, Zorro. Was, Zorro was going to be my pick. Uh, Zorro is the man. Um, I love Zorro, love everything about the character. However, I doubt many of you even know who Zorro is. So I'm pandering and took Deadpool instead. Yeah, that would have been a deep pull. Yeah. Uh, but if you don't know who Zorro is, you should. That was a cool movie. I remember watching that movie as a kid, I think. Uh, yes. With like, uh, was it Antonio Barris who played him? Yeah. Banderas. Yeah. And Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yes, and then and and if if you really want to throw it back, the Disney Channel would play Zorro late at night, like I say late at night, like ten o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock, late at night when you're in your younger years. Disney uh, After Dark. Yes, it was, and they play Zorro, and you would get, and I would always get excited when it was like the in color Zorros and not the black and white Zorros. And, I mean, because you know, '90s child, we have in color TV. Let's get with the times. Come on, Zorro, <laughs> and so. Uh, but Zorro was my was my others. I also had on the big board um, that was not mentioned. I had the Green Arrow and Hulk. Okay, yeah, I, we actually knocked off most of my big board. You just mentioned another one with Hulk. So the only ones that were left for me were um, actually Captain America and Captain Marvel. And when you said you were going to pick a Titan of the Marvel universe, I thought you were definitely going Captain America. Um, yeah, but I don't see okay. Superman is my vanilla bland superhero. I don't need two of those. I already picked a vanilla superhero. Captain <laughs> America is far more vanilla than Superman. I said it again at me on Twitter if you've got a problem with it. 
so yeah, I couldn't I couldn't double down in the vanilla world. There. Yeah, I mean that's fair enough. Captain America was towards the uh, bottom of of my big board of ten, but hey, that's the first time in a while where we've actually checked off most of the selections on our big board through uh, through the draft. I'm interested to see how this falls because we have a very DC and Marvel split on our list, it seems. Yeah, and I think people are super niche with uh, some of their superheroes and what they like to watch. So some that we didn't mention at all that I was curious to see if either of us would. I I mean, I know I ended up not putting on my big board, but I was curious about you, uh, where like some of the X-Men, some of the like Fantastic Four, and uh the uh miss the incredibles i was curious to see if any of those would pop up all in a group i had wolverine uh but he's not even my favorite x-man so i couldn't even couldn't even you know pick him uh and then as far as the fantastic four i would doubt that many people can't even name the fantastic four human torch mr fantastic the thing and alas uh gosh I think that's what she. No, what, is it the Elastic Girl? But that's what, what they call um, the that's mob. The Incredibles, Incredibles. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Oh God, she's stretchy. No, the prof- Professor Fantastic or Mister Fantastic is stretchy in uh, the Girls Invisible in yeah. Fantastic Four. That's a good poll. You're absolutely right. Um, gosh, I w- so long story short, I can't, and it's bad. I can't remember who Jessica Alba's character was in Fantastic Four movie. Oh, and the Fantastic Four has almost got like left behind because um, who plays Captain America? Chris something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name, but like he played the Human Torch. Yes, he did the first Human Torch and was really good. And then he's like, uh, "I'm actually Captain America, so don't even worry about the Fantastic Four. Get the Human Torch out of here." As soon as that happened, I think the Fantastic Four died. Well, that and they released that Silver Surfer movie that was just absolutely terrible. Garbage. This is when we were in like elementary school and middle school. Right. That the I think the Silver Surfer killed the Fantastic Four. (laughs) And then, gosh, I can't remember his last name, but he was out. He's like Captain America. We are in there. Okay. uh, Two last segments that we normally do on the show here. Uh, Monday's best bet. I just realized that we didn't do. A Monday's best bet for this game between the people the- probably needed a break <laughs> from our best bets because we've been true. pretty terrible. But for those of you who are new, uh, we'll mention them on the podcast if we can, depending on when we're recording and the episode is releasing. But more importantly, on our Instagram and Twitter at the Cutback Pod, uh, every Monday during the NFL season, uh, we will Colin and I will both submit our best bet for the uh, Monday night game. We are currently struggling. I'm three and six. Colin is four and six. Uh, and we inadvertently, but probably beneficially, took the week off between the Patriots and the Jets this past week. Uh, I believe we got Vikings Bears this Monday, an NFC North showdown. Uh, I'll take the under and I'll take the Vikings to cover, whatever the spread is. <laughs> we will see if you feel that way when we put it out. Uh, another segment that we intermittently do, uh, I personally don't have one this week, but sign our shout outs. Uh, it's just kind of a last word of the episode. Anything for you this week, Colin? Happy to be a part of the uh, Sports of the Job uh, podcast family. Uh, so just shout out to them and, uh, I'm sure you'll hear more about them as we go, um, but that, that I think that I'm excited to be a part of what they're doing. 
Great poll. Great poll. Absolutely. Like we mentioned at the beginning, you can check out the Sports as a Job podcast, uh, the podcast network, um, including ourselves at sportsasajob.com. Um, you'll be able to find all of the other podcasts there and their social media information. Um, and you can also follow Sports as a Job on Instagram and Twitter at Sports as a Job. Um, they'll also be kind of posting our content as well. And like always, you can find us on uh, at the Cutback Pod on Instagram and Twitter and listen to us on Spotify or via links on the Sports as a Job website. This has been yet another episode of the Cutback Podcast, episode number 26. Uh, I did a quick Google search. No real heavy hitters war number 26. Who, give us a hit, Give us something. Give us who, Rod give Woodson, people. Le'Veon Bell. That's what we got. Or Ooh. Kyle Korver. Oh, Kyle Korver. This is the Kyle <laughs> Korver episode. Done. That's a, that is money from three. What are you talking about? How did we forget him? Splash City. Splash. Just, I'm wet already. <laughs> this has been episode number 26. Shout out Kyle Corver and uh, Mr. Splash himself. Until next time, keep your head on a swivel and try not to get laid the fuck out. I'm the people's champ. My chain light up like a lamp because now I'm back with the camp. I'm crawling similar to an ant because I'm low to the earth. People's feelings get hurt when they figure out what I'm worth. I got 84s poking out at the club. I'm showing that I'm a player. Ain't no doubt. Hoes want to know what I'm about. Biggest diamonds off in my mouth. Princess cuts all in my chain. Wood grain all in my range. Dripping stains when I switch lanes. Switch the name. It's still the same. Switch the house or switch the blast.